running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, we are usually watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, but since it's the end of the month, we are doing something a little different. We are doing a community jiggle episode where I can go over all sorts of random Aqua Teen stuff that I've been seeing that I couldn't talk about in previous episodes. If you're a new listener, we were doing these at the end of every month, but they were replaced with our Aquadonk side piece coverage. However, there are some things I wanted to do for the Moon and Nights coverage that I just didn't have time for. And also, I honestly just missed doing these community jiggles, and I have lots of stuff to talk about, so I'm very excited about it. So, first and foremost, if you will recall in last week's episode covering the dressing, Barry Mills, who did the voice of Hustlin' Tom Turkey in that episode, as, lo- as well as, uh, you know, working on Space Ghost and a bunch of other stuff at Adult Swim. He hadn't got back to my email. I was asking him a bunch of questions, and he did get back to me the day the episode came out. So obviously, you haven't heard them yet if you're listening to this in real time. I'm going to read these answers to these questions now, and then I'm going to go back and attach this segment to the end of the dressing episode for those who haven't heard it yet. So, of course, in that episode, I plan to kind of weave these answers in a little more tactfully, but since we're done with that episode, I will just read you the questions I asked and the answers we got. So, I asked Barry this, how did you get involved in this specific episode, of course being the dressing? Barry said, I'm pretty sure Matt and Dave just walked in my office one day at William Street and asked if I would do a voice for the show. That's usually the way things went down at the time. Like, one other time after I left my job at Adult Swim... I came into the office for something, and Matt Harrigan asked me to read something for Perfect Hair Forever, which was another Adult Swim show. I thought it was just a scratch track, read it, and left. A couple months later, I ran into Brad Zimmerman, who mentioned he had just finished up editing the Perfect Hair episode I was in. I didn't really know what he was talking about. So Barry just saying, hey, at the time, you know, things were kind of fast and loose. They just come in, ask you to do a voice. And that was kind of it. You know, these shows at the time, these original Adult Swim shows were pretty incestuous in terms of their staff because everybody, not everybody, but most people were nine to five employees of Turner. And they would all just kind of be in the same building together and come grab each other whenever the moment struck. So that's what happened here with Barry. He just kind of got thrown into the episode of Aqua Teen. I asked Barry... What was the inspiration for the voice you provided? And or what kind of instruction were you given when doing the voice? Barry says, I did a cartoon show for TNT in the 90s called the Rudy and Go-Go World Famous Cartoon Show where I did the voice of Rudy, one of the marionette hosts. And I think that's what they were looking for. That voice is also a slightly exaggerated version of how I really sound, so they were probably goofing on me some. So now we have the answer for how Barry kind of got this voice, this hustling Tom Turkey voice. Hey y'all, gobble gobble, I'm Tom Turkey, do the hustle. Which of course is a great juxtaposition to the voice Matt Malero provided for Turkatron. It's just a night and day difference. So really, really good pick on Matt and Dave's part. Moving on from voiceover questions, because of course Barry wasn't really a voiceover artist. He, he did it, he had done it, but that wasn't his main job. I go on to ask, I've read that you suggested Schooly D for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Did you know Schooly personally at this point? Were there any other people you suggested for the show? Barry says, That was very early on, and Matt and Dave were trying to figure out who was going to do the Aqua Teen theme song. I'm a big Schooly fan, so I recommended him. I didn't really know him that well, but had dealt with him for a project for Rudy and Gogo, so Matt and Dave asked me if I would call him up, which I gladly did. I'm pretty sure that was my only recommendation for Aquatine. So my 
speculation here was that because we learned in the dressing that Barry had actually done an Atlanta hip-hop radio show, I assume that's how he met Schooly, and maybe it still is, but revealing here, Barry says that he actually worked with Schooly on his own TV show in the past, so that's kind of how he thought to to bring Schooly D into the mix for Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which of course was just a monumental decision because Schooly D just adds so much to this show, so thank you, Barry, for that. Moving on, I ask Barry, what have you been up to since your time at Williams Street? I see you're doing production work with your company, Sheila Green Productions, as well as your 2012 film, Fun World. Is there anything new in the works that you'd like me to tell my audience about? Barry says, I'm currently, and then in parentheses, hopefully soon wrapping up, a horror script with the working title Scouts and gearing up to do a documentary about Atlantic guitar legend Glenn Phillips. I've documented a few Glenn Phillips shows in the past, including a reunion of the Hampton Grease Band, of which Glenn was a member in the late 60s, early 70s. Now, of course, I need to mention here that this is not uh, the probably more popular, famous Glenn Phillips, who was in an episode of Space Ghost. This is Glenn Phillips with two N's at the end of Glenn, who was in, as Barry said, the Hampton Grease Band, which was an experimental kind of jam band in the 70s. And so don't get him confused with the younger Glenn Phillips, but really excited to dig into the music of this older Glenn Phillips because uh, this music looks a little bit up my alley, so I'll definitely check it out. Of course, in that episode covering the dressing, I point out how Barry was in a band with Matt Malero called Donnell Hubbard, whose music was in C-Lab and Aqua Teen. I ask Barry, have you kept up with music since Donnell Hubbard disbanded? If so, is there anywhere I can hear your work? Barry says, I've been playing with a couple of friends for the past couple of years. We call ourselves the Drawers. We've been trying to get back into regular routine since being interrupted via the pandemic. We don't really have anything out there. Maybe soon? So uh, I'll keep an eye out here for the drawers. Excited to hear them once they come out. Of course, excited to hear too that Barry has kept up with music here. And my final question for Barry is this. What are the odds of a Donald Hubbard reunion? Barry says, I'd say the odds of a Donald Hubbard reunion are pretty unlikely. So there you have it. Uh, Matt Malero and Barry Mills not really jamming together anymore, but I mean, that was the case, I think, when Aqua Teen was already out in the early 2000s. So not surprising that this 20-year-old project that's been dormant for 20 years probably won't come back. But of course, Barry does not say never. He just says unlikely. So who knows what the future may hold. Of course, thank you so much to Barry Mills for taking time out of his day to respond to my email here. I'm putting a link to his Vimeo in the show notes if you'd like to check out anything else he's been up to. It was really cool to have this little chat with Barry, and something tells me this won't be the last time we're talking about him on this podcast. Moving on from this, we have the Baffler Mailbox set, which has come out since our last episode dropped, and I've got it in my possession I'm here to tell you what I know. Now, full disclosure here, I have not put any of the discs in yet, but I have checked out the packaging and I have learned a bit about it as it has come out. So onto the packaging first, which was a question. Um, don't worry, we won't need a visual element here because there's not a whole lot to it as I suspected. We have an outer cardboard box with the artwork and everything on it. You pull this giant box set out of it and uh, it has basically the same artwork as we have on the cardboard sleeve, although the back is a little bit different. You open it up, and here, let me uh, get this sound for you. Maybe you got to hear that there. Um, 
it's just full of just a bunch of DVDs. There's really nothing to talk about. The DVD artwork is different from the uh, like official, or I guess the original ones is a better way to put it. This is official, of course. Uh, it, but the artwork on all the discs is uh, burger toppings. So it's supposed to be kind of like a giant burger in a sense. And that's really it. There's a little, little uh, piece of paper inside with information on some of the discs. And that's all that we've got. There is uh, printing on the inside. I'm not going to get too into it. It's just like the Aqua Teen characters. But pretty bare bones packaging, which is what I expected. Of course, if you want the full experience, you're going to have to buy the original ones. And of course, don't buy the, the reprints because the reprints are much, much simpler. Buy the original ones if you want the full packaging. Because back in the mid-early 2000s, they put a lot of work into the packaging on these DVDs. And now that's not really the case. So uh, it is what it is. Of course, the exciting thing here is we have the final three seasons of Aqua Teen on DVD for the very first time. If you want to own these in a physical format, this is your only chance. Now, you may have heard the rumors, and the rumors are correct. There is no Shake Like Me on this box set. Shake Like Me being the episode that was removed from HBO Max in 2020, this being the second episode of season six. The premise to this one being... Master Shake gets bitten by a radioactive black man, and then he turns black himself. That is not present here. Again, pulled from streaming. We assumed it would be on this box set, but it wasn't. And for me personally, I don't really care. I don't think it's that great of an episode. And to be clear, I think the premise has a lot of potential. But when I watched the episode in the past year, because I was like, ooh, you know, the the uh, the forbidden episode. I can't wait to see. This one's going to be good. And it was just kind of the same joke uh, for the entire episode. So I'm not like super upset about it, but I know a lot of people are. And even though I don't really care for this episode, which of course we will get into at some point on the podcast, I am bothered by the false advertising here. This was touted as the complete box set and it's not, it's missing an episode. There's no, there's no way around that. So that's a little bit annoying there because what happened was they specifically went into this uh, volume six DVD file and took an episode out. As far as I know, nothing else has changed from the other ones. It's possible they are if they did go on it, if they did go in at some point to change uh, in an episode and remove it. I don't know. I, I assume that's really all they did, but uh, just kind of interesting there. And uh, Speedbeats over on the, the Dancing is Forbidden Discord server, he speculated. Of course, there is no, like, we don't know if there's any truth to this, but his speculation, which I find very interesting, is that the DVD set was delayed possibly to remove this episode we don't know for sure but i could definitely see that being the case who knows remember the set was supposed to come out in the summertime i think and then was pushed back to late september of this year so again no shake like me a friendly reminder that you can still very easily get this episode it's not streaming but you can find these volume 6 dvds anywhere they're on amazon target you can go on ebay and buy some you know whatever uh it, it's pretty easy to get so if, if you really need this episode I know it's annoying. It's not fair. You have to go and basically spend twenty more dollars or whatever on another uh, little uh, volume set to get it. But it's possible you can stick those discs right into your Baffler Meal box set, and boom, you got all one thirty-nine episodes locked and loaded. And since I said one thirty-nine, there is no Boston episode here. If you're unfamiliar, basically when the Aqua Teen two thousand seven film came out, there was a huge marketing thing where they were putting these LED Moonanite signs all around random cities across the U.S. And in Boston, the police department got wind of them and they thought they were bombs, and it was a big thing. Well, Matt and Dave, being the jokesters that they are, turned around and went to make an episode about it. And they started the episode, but then they were told they weren't allowed to finish it. It was never released. 
later on that episode was leaked so you can watch the rough animatic to it but that is not on this disc as expected or, or sorry not on the baffler meal box set as expected because it was never officially released and as I said previously in a previous episode, Dave Willis did say in a podcast episode that he wanted to go back and make this for the box set. He's like, yeah, that would be so cool if this box set had a special episode on it that you couldn't get anywhere else. But uh, Adult Swim or whoever didn't want to pay for that to happen, so it didn't happen. So no Boston here as to be expected, but also no Shake Like Me. So it's just 138 episodes on this box set. And last but not least, I need to mention no new special features here. To my knowledge, all the existing special features are, are on the individual discs, but there are no new special features, which of course we were all very excited about. I thought that was the most exciting thing about this box set, but as I always speculated, I'm like, I don't see them adding anymore, and they did not. So that is the Baffler Meal box set. And I know, you know, we're focusing on what it doesn't have, but it does have every Aqua Teen episode besides Shake Like Me. It has all the special features, which are incredibly underrated. I mean, there's the, all the Terraphone episodes, which are so funny. Some of the funniest things that they ever did for the show are some of these special features that most people have not seen. So there's a lot to love about this box set. Uh, obviously, the most uh, newsworthy are the, are the missing aspects, but there's a lot here, and I'm just glad and, and shocked that they even did this to begin with. And of course, again, I'll say it again, the final three seasons on DVD for the first time. Check it out. Link in the show notes if you want to buy it. And I am coming in after the fact. I, I think I got my episode numbers wrong. I think it touted that it had 140 episodes, but it does not. I guess it really has 137. I, I, from what I'm seeing on Wikipedia, there are 139 episodes. And minus Boston, minus Shake Like Me, that is 137 episodes on this bad boy. Alongside the 2007 film. On to other news, I recently did a poll asking, which episode do people prefer? Do you prefer the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future episode, or do you prefer the dressing episode? And the results are in. I asked over on Instagram and Twitter, and we got very, very similar results on both. And on Instagram... Out of 126 voters, we had 62% preferring Cybernetic Ghost and 38% preferring The Dressing, which, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a bit of a disparity here, but also, like, it's honestly a little closer than I expected. I really thought that Cybernetic Ghost would, would be higher, and I'm glad it's not because, you know, obviously in my coverage of The Dressing, I said I couldn't really pick between the two. I thought they were both very funny, very strong episodes that did very different things, and overall, I think Cybernetic Ghost gets gets a little more love because it was the first episode with this character, and also because that character, the Cybernetic Ghost, shows up multiple more times throughout the series, while the dressing here is just really a one-off. And of course, there is the question of, is this really the Cybernetic Ghost or not? So that's the Instagram results. The Twitter one is basically the same. It's just a few percent difference, so I'm not going to read it to you. Again, on Instagram, it was 62% for Cybernetic Ghost and 38% for The Dressing. Thank you, everyone who voted in that. Always love to see these results. And I really do want to get back to doing more polls. I used to do them a lot when we first started the podcast and just kind of fell away from doing them. So expect more in the future. Up next, Shinsuke with a laptop over on the Discord server, of course link to that in the show notes if you would like to join, has sent in their origin story. Let's give it a listen. Uh, hey guys, this is uh, Shinsuke with a laptop from the Discord again. 
Uh, I've heard a lot of people have been talking about their Aqua Teen uh, origin stories. I don't think I've ever actually given a linear timeline of mine. So, you know, might as well just talk about it now just for funsies. So aside from a couple occasional accidental run-ins with Aqua Teen when I was a kid watching Cartoon Network late at night, I didn't really like pay much attention to it. Aside from the fact that it was just a name that kept popping up on the TV every time I looked at the guide. Uh, but I think the first time I actually formally got introduced to Aqua Teen was through a Digimon podcaster. So it was a guy who did a podcast reviewing like all seasons of Digimon is in the anime. And at one point, while he was talking about the fourth season, uh, two of the main antagonists from that season, uh, Dynas- Dynasmon and Crusadermon, I think those were their names. Yeah. Um, he made a joke about the fact that they behave just like the Moon and Ice and that they think they're superior than anyone else. Uh, only these guys are actually competent, but like their intro is like an excerpt of the Moonanites intro from their first episode. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, cool. What's that from? And then I did some digging and that's how I found out about Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So you can thank my love of Digimon for my love of this show. Ain't that weird, huh? There you have it. Digimon to Aqua Teen. I love hearing these kinds of stories, for example... In the past, we had a voice message about going from My Little Pony to Aqua Teen, and I'm sure there are similar stories where people, you're a fan of one thing, you join in like kind of in in the fandom of it, either by, in this case, a podcaster or YouTube videos about that one thing you originally liked. You kind of find out about Aqua Teen, then you head over to Aqua Teen, and you fall into it on its own. So very cool there. And yeah, I totally understand seeing Aqua Teen, but never really looking into it much because that's how I am or that's how I was with something like Space Goes Coast to Coast. I'd always catch it on as a kid, but at the time it just didn't interest me. I wasn't ready to receive that yet. And I never really paid much attention to it until C. Martin Croker passed away. All the Space Ghost episodes, or at least a bunch of them, became available for free on Adult Swim site. So I'm like, ah, let me check this out and come to find out it's hilarious and I loved it. I just wasn't ready for it when I was younger. And that seems to be the case here with Aqua Teen. So I always love how people find this show. It's just fascinating to me. I wish we would get more of these stories. So, of course, if you would like to, to uh, share your own Aqua Teen origin story, head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancingisforbidden or check the link in the show notes. You can leave me a voice message on that website. And again, love hearing them. And I, I got a shout out here. Congrats to Shinsuke with a laptop for being accepted. I hear into two of their dream universities. I, I expect these universities our MCP Pants University and whichever university that Emery and Oglethorpe went to in the 2007 film. I have to imagine those are the universities, but congratulations. That is very exciting, a very big accomplishment, and I just love to hear uh, not only fans of this podcast, but fans of Aqua Teen in general just kicking ass. It really puts a smile on my face. Since we're talking about the Discord, over on the, the Dancing is Forbidden Discord, user the other cow left a really great message that I would like to read. In the Kidney Car Pod episode, you made reference to the number three on the side of the car. I think that's a reference to Dale Earnhardt. So, great catch here by the other cow. I don't really know much about NASCAR, so I didn't really put that together. Like, I don't know their numbers or anything, and there was a three on Carl's old beat-up car. Master Shake put a three on there at some point while he was racing at the the beat-em-up or smash-em-up finals, however you want to define it. And that must have been a reference to Dale Earnhardt. I assume that to be the case. 
because you know Dale Earnhardt being one of the biggest uh, NASCAR drivers ever. So that's really what I would expect. So a nice little reference there, a missed reference by me, but not missed by your fellow listener, the other cow. I recently got an interesting YouTube comment by listener Jake Pell that really got me thinking. So let me read this comment to you. I'm surprised that you keep saying that you haven't seen the various sci-fi and fantasy movies that Aqua Teen references. Aqua Teen Hunger Force is largely a parody of various sci-fi and fantasy tropes and plot lines, yet you still seem to enjoy it. If you aren't that into sci-fi, I'm just curious what you get out of it and or like about the show. If I didn't get the movie references, I would probably get bored with Aqua Teen Hunger Force pretty fast. Anyway, I'm still liking your show. So Jake made this comment here and I really enjoyed it and I really want to speculate on it a little bit because I surely cannot be the only person who loves Aqua Teen who hasn't seen a bunch of these films that they are either riffing on or referencing. And yeah, it's a great question. Why do I like it? Like on paper, you would think I wouldn't if I don't get these these references. But I think at the end of the day, there's kind of two points to this. The first point is Aqua Teen, the characters are just strong and they're understandable on their own. You don't have to understand the references they're making to enjoy the characters, to enjoy their jokes. But second of all, what really drives me to Aqua Teen and drives a lot of my own sense of humor since I grew up watching this show is just absurdity. And when you do understand the joke, I'm sure it elevates the joke. Like if you understand what they're playing on or the reference that they're making. But if you don't, I think it just makes it very absurd. And that's what I like about the show. So honestly, in some cases, when I find out that it is a reference, I'm a little let down. I'm like, oh, I thought this was just some random absurd joke. Really, it has a basis in some logic and reality that I wasn't quite catching before. And I preferred if Master Shake was just being random here as opposed to riffing on a movie that was already out. Now, in the cases of the characters mentioning films that I don't get, it's like I understand they're referencing a movie. And I probably can just figure out on the fly like what kind of movie it is so it makes sense. For example, they, uh, in the Meat Zone, re- reference some Christopher Walken film. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, I kind of understand the joke even though I haven't seen the film. So in those cases, Matt and Dave write the episode tactfully enough to where if they are referencing a film, you don't really have to have seen it. Although I'm sure having seen it makes the joke a lot better. And another example being a Broodwitch. Uh, Master Shake having all these collectible cups. Now, of course, we do get into uh, in the weeds of what movie they're actually referencing, but it's pretty clearly the film Battlefield Earth, even though they call it by some other names in that episode. It's like, yeah, I get it. It's supposed to be a sci-fi movie that they're talking about. Shake has the collectible cups. Let's keep moving on. Like the whole joke isn't really dependent on that. It just kind of elevates the joke in that case. But I think ultimately... You have to realize Aqua Teen isn't the only thing I am missing references from. Besides other television shows, I'm probably just missing references in real life when people are talking about stuff. So I'm used to just kind of, you know, putting the pieces together on the fly and figuring out what people are talking about because I have not seen a ton of movies. I've seen movies, of course. I've seen, uh, I would say, a lot of them, but not, uh, I guess, a lot of big seminal films. I just have kind of a evaded me for my 29 years on this earth so i'm just used to not entirely knowing what movies people are talking about so in this case it's not too different either thank you jake for that thoughtful question and i hope listening in i'm sure that again not everybody has has seen a lot of these films so uh hopefully that has you kind of speculating and 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 hypothesizing on your own enjoyment of aqua teen 
Last week, as you know, we covered the dressing. That was the episode last week. And my wife, Hannah, went to put that episode post in her Instagram story. And she went to add some music to it. And she typed in dancing is forbidden into the music field. And I didn't know what she was doing on her phone, of course. She was in the same room as me, but I didn't know what was going on. But I did hear this coming out of her phone. My wife and I have a lot of musical interests in common, and this is not one of them. I really like this kind of music. She does not. So I turned and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you listening to? Why is this coming out of your phone? And she explained to me how she was trying to share my post and she typed in Dancing is Forbidden into Instagram. And this song came up by a band called Glad to Be Dead. Now, you might not necessarily share my love of this kind of music, but let me read you some of these song titles because I think they will pique your interest. We have, of course, Dancing is Forbidden, a song called The Wrath of Wayne the Main Brain, a song called Cell Phones Kill Ghosts, another song called Dumbass Ahedratron, and then another song of theirs has a sample from Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force in it. So... Something's going on here. These guys are obviously fans of Aqua Teen, so I looked them up and come to find out they are also from the great state of Minnesota where I am currently located as well. So reach out to them. Very, very nice guys. This Their EP called The Cutest Boys in Deathcore came out in 2021 with, again, just a lot of uh, Aqua Teen themed titles and all of that. So it's really cool that there's this band who is active who are writing songs with Aqua Teen references in the titles. And again, they have, you know, a clip of Carl in one of their other tracks. And if you happen to be a fan of this kind of music, please do check out Glad To Be Dead. I would love to get them on the show at some point, kind of chat with them a little bit. So look forward to that. Also, it goes without saying, link to their music in the show notes. Friday Night Funkin' is a relatively new open-source rhythm game where people can do all sorts of mods for the game to add their own songs. And it's a rhythm game, so basically you are just kind of hitting buttons along with the song. Very popular genre. Think uh, maybe Guitar Hero, Rock Band, but there are plenty of ones that you just play on your keyboard, on your computer. Friday Night Funkin', it's a new contender in the realm, and it was brought to my attention by supporter of the show, Luak that there is now an Aqua Teen Hunger Force mod for this game. So if you have that game, definitely check into the Aqua Team Funkin' Force mod. At least that's what I'm seeing it called here on YouTube. It looks really cool. Basically, we have the Aqua Teen characters on the screen, and as you're kind of playing along to the song, the characters are kind of singing in this, in this choppy, uh, nonsensical style, but you can clearly hear it's their voices. Well, 
incredibly catchy there. Of course, that is Master Shake and Frylock. It kind of switches between the two. But from watching this video, Carl and Meatwad come into the scene as well. And it just looks really cool. Looking into it, because I'm not really familiar with Friday Night Funkin', but I believe the game is free. So link to both of these in the show notes if you want to play this. I think they're coming out with a full version at some point soon that I expect will cost money. But right now the game is still new and you can still download it for free, uh, to my knowledge. So check the show notes for that. Very catchy track there. Looks pretty fun. I might download it and check it out at some point. Full disclosure, we are now done with our Aqua Teen Hunger Force stuff, but I would like to continue to talk to you about a couple things I've kind of had floating around in my head and what I've been up to this past month. So in a previous community jiggle, I talk about how my high school reunion was coming up. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go or not. I kind of delved into how, despite the fact that I am super happy in my life right now, it was maybe a little less attractive to go because... Obviously, a common discussion is what is your job? What is your career? And I am not particularly interested in talking about that. Uh, as you know, I work at Target, but I also do this podcast. I do some art stuff on the side, some freelance work. And I don't know. It's just like, I just don't know why I don't like talking about that so much. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to go because of that. I don't want to explain everything to people, especially because I'll say podcast. People will say, oh, about what? I'll be Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And then I have to deal with people's blank looks on their faces. And ultimately, I found out one of my best friends was was planning to go, which was a surprise. I didn't expect him to go, but he was going to go. And I'm like, you know what? I do want to go. I do want to see a lot of these people that I've known since I was in kindergarten or even preschool. It would have been nice. I was kind of just waiting to see if my really good friends were going to go. Then I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And uh, uh, I grew up about four and a half hours away in, in northeastern Illinois. Of course, like I mentioned earlier, I now live in Minnesota. So it would have been a drive. We would have had to get a hotel room and all this stuff. But we decided to go. I bought the tickets. We booked a hotel room and I was looking forward to it. Well, all that internal struggle and agonizing for nothing because the high school reunion got canceled. Not enough people bought tickets and it just wasn't financially viable to put on. So luckily, my wife uh, and I, we booked the hotel room that we were able to cancel. You kind of had to pay extra for the room uh, on, on the off chance you had to cancel it. But luckily, we did that because we were able to cancel, get our money back. I got refunded my tickets from the reunion. But I just kind of found that funny that I, I was I was talking to you about this at the beginning of the year kind of, ah, oh, do I want to go or not? And ultimately it was for nothing because the entire thing got canceled. And how do I feel about that? I am pretty relieved. At the end of the day, I was like, ah, oh, man, like I don't really want to have to make that drive. What if it's not worth, you know, the money we're paying to go to it, you know, and I'm glad they did call it off because of turnout because it would have sucked to, to do all that, you know, take off work. I, I would have struggled with this podcast because I would have been out of town that weekend and and everything that goes along with traveling, you know, to a different state and I'm like oh what if we do all that just to see you know a handful of people like that probably wouldn't be worth it and luckily they called it off for that very fact and this just has me wondering this has to be more commonplace right like like I said my great my good friends that I know from high school I still can keep in touch with them I do keep in touch with them you know I still talk to some of them daily and 
because of social media and everything, you can do that. But I also can see, hey, this guy I knew I was really good friends with in first grade. What's he up to? I can type his name in, see what he's up to. And that's that. You don't really need the reunion aspect because you can keep in touch with people that you really want to. I was looking forward to just seeing people again, people that maybe I never talked to in high school a whole lot, but I would still see them from time to time. And it's just, you know, it would have been nice to see those people again and see how everybody is doing but again, I have to really think that this is going to be more and more commonplace. So if you are around my age, if you are having a high school reunion coming up or or if you had one in the past year or two, please reach out and let me know. How did that go? Did it even happen? Are people still trying to put these together anymore? I guess we'll find out. You know, I, I guess in five years, people will just be meeting in the metaverse or or whatever Mark Zuckerberg is up to because it's like, why are, why are we all going to drive or or fly or whatever to go back to our hometowns to see each other when we can already keep up as is. So there is the anticlimactic end to that story there. So from here, let's move on. I'll tell you a little bit about what I've been watching, what I've been listening to, what games I've been playing, similar to what we cover in our deep dives here. So what I've been watching, I would like to talk about the show Sister Wives, which is a reality show. And I talked about it in a previous Community Jiggle where I wasn't sure if I would keep watching it. Surprisingly, I'm still watching that, and the reason is because of my love of spoilers. I'm a dirty spoiler boy. I can't keep away from them. My wife hates it, but honestly, knowing how this Sister Wives show turns out, which, spoiler alert, it's a fucking shit show, has kept me watching because... It's just the world's longest payoff. You have to watch through seasons and seasons of mundane shit just to get to the good stuff because now we are finally getting to the good stuff and I am keeping up with the season that is coming out right now and it seems insane. Basically, the destruction of a family and maybe that doesn't sound particularly interesting to you, which I mean, fair enough, but... Something I find interesting here is another reality show I really like is Little People Big World. That show debuted in 2005 and Sister Wives debuted in 2010. And I think this kind of marks a giant divide in how uh, reality shows were kind of made, at least in, on TLC, which is known for kind of tearing families apart because of these reality shows based on these families. And in Little People Big World, from the beginning, you can see the problems in the family. They don't sugarcoat it. You see the parents bickering. You see them fighting. You see them making little comments. But the show is also about, you know, what I like about that show is the kids. They seem to have a good time and running around on this farm having fun. Sister Wives came out in 2010, and it's the exact opposite. They mask every single problem the family had until it was too much to hide, and the family basically blew up. And I just come to realize how little we actually know these people on TV because of the editing and stuff, which of course I know that, but it's so interesting when you see, for example, one of the wives in Sister Wives, if you don't know, it's a show about a, a polygamist family. So one husband and four other wives here, of course, you can imagine there's going to be issues with that. But the, you know, let's say in season four, they're like, yes, we're so happy. Polygamy is awesome. This is incredible. Well, then season six comes out a few years later, or you finally start watching season six and they'll be crying like, yeah, a few years ago, I was so unhappy. And that's the, the, the period when they're on TV, like, yeah, we're so happy. This is great. It
it was all lies. And it's so fascinating seeing like the curtain pulled back in real time and all these lies expose how unhappy they are, how polygamy is not actually working for them. The the whole purpose of the show is to show that like, yeah, we have this alternative lifestyle and it works for us and we love it when really they were basically all fucking miserable the entire time. So it's just this huge payoff. And because I looked at spoilers, I really knew I'm like, no, we got to keep watching this because I know it gets crazy and you just get all this build up to eventually shit just exploding and and it gets even crazier. I'm a, I don't know which season I'm on, but I still have quite a ways to go. But finally, it's starting to get juicy and I just know it just keeps going in that direction. So just interesting to see, you know, the the duality between something like Little People, Big World, where spoiler alert there, the parents do get divorced. You could see those seeds back in the first season. While in, in Sister Wives, they pretend like they're this happy, great family, but that was never really the case, come to find out. And an addendum to my reality TV show talk. Look, I know it's all edited. I know it's bullshit. It's not like I thought things were completely real or how they are presented, but I've never really seen it to this degree of people just egregiously lying about like how happy they are and stuff when they weren't the whole time. And it's, again, it's just fascinating to see in real time them just kind of slowly become their real selves on the show. It's just a really interesting look into humanity, I think. And you might be wondering why I watch reality TV. It's nice to put something on that I can kind of just be on my phone. Like, I'm not sitting there watching every detail. I'm not precious about the episode. Sometimes if something boring is happening, I'm like, let's just skip to the next episode. Like, I don't want to sit here and watch this. So it's not like I'm like glued to my screen or anything like that. It's just something nice to put on and not have to pay attention to. Otherwise, been watching House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones spinoff, and overall I like it. I'm not super impressed yet, but I have enough goodwill from the entirety of the first Game of Thrones to stick with it. I can't judge this yet because I know there's a bigger story being told, so I have to kind of wait and see that bigger story being told. But from the first three episodes I've seen, I have to catch up on like the newest two not super excited by them, not super blown away, but at the same time, they were making them during COVID, I think, so I have to cut them some slack there. So we'll see how House of the Dragon goes. But by the end of the first season, if I'm not sold on it, then I'll probably just stop watching it. I don't find it super compelling. Moving on to music here, there is a Minnesota radio station called The Current that plays a lot of indie music, stuff that I'm into, and I have that on in my car when I'm driving to work because my CD player stopped working, unfortunately, and so I was listening to The, to the Current on the way to work, and this song came on, and I was almost tempted to pull over and type in what it was. Like, I really wanted to know what it was, but I just tried to remember the lyrics so I could uh, look it up when I got to work. Let me play you some of it. I was just like, holy shit, what is this? This rocks. Gotta find out. I, I don't know if I remembered any of the lyrics, but luckily, as soon as I got to work, I went on The Current's website, I saw all the songs they were playing, and I found it. So, that is Japanese Breakfast with the song Slide Tackle, 
And I've been listening to that song on repeat. It's so beautiful. I love the ethereal synths. It's almost got this like easy listening quality to it. And I'm a sucker for uh, kind of cheesy, easy listening music. Kind of like a lot that they use in Aqua Tina as background music, like when they're at the mall and stuff like that. I love that kind of music and that kind of sound. So you basically have that here with the lead singer's beautiful voice over the top of it. And I'm all in. So I need to check out more Japanese Breakfast because she's got a few uh, albums out. I guess it's kind of like a solo artist. So I need to look into her and check out some full albums. But in the meantime, I'm liking this song Slide Tackle a heck of a lot. Otherwise, my favorite band of all time, Smashing Pumpkins, they have announced a new record and they put out a song and I'll play you a little bit of it. If you're not super familiar with Smashing Pumpkins, they were a huge band in the 90s. They were an alternative rock band, and they had a lot of different elements and influences in their music, which is what made them so great. And then they broke up in 2000, got back together in 2007 with just the frontman Billy Corgan and the drummer. Then eventually the drummer left again, so it was just Billy Corgan with a, a whole band of other musicians calling themselves Smashing Pumpkins. Well, good news is that the drummer is back, the other guitarist is back, and they have put out a few albums now in the past couple years, but the music hasn't been that great. It's like, all right, we have a lot of the original members back, they're just missing the original bass player, and the songs, the, the albums haven't been that well received. And it, what's interesting is their last album called Seer was basically a synth pop album. And, and yeah, I mean, you heard me right. But it did have some good songs on it. I do like that record, even though it's not near their top albums. It was decent. Here, they announced a new album called, I believe it's pronounced Autumn. It's A-T-U-M. And it's supposed to be like 33 songs in total. I think it's coming out across like, uh, like three different releases. Very confusing, I know. That's Billy Corrigan for you. But this is the first song being released here, and we can hear they're at least going back to a rock sound, which I know a lot of fans have a sigh of relief. But my opinion on this song is I love everything about it except for the actual song itself. I love the sound. I love that they have a heavier sound here. I love the mixing on the song. I think it is the best mixing they've had in years because usually Billy Corgan's voice is right up front in the mix and super dry. Not really the case here got some good moments to it but the song itself is just pretty weak to me so it's a pretty underwhelming lead single but there's supposed to be 33 songs on this thing so there's bound to be something good here and I have heard some of the leaked songs that Billy Corgan played on like like an Instagram live or something and they do sound better than this so I am looking forward to it but yeah this lead single called Beguiled not really a huge fan of it I, I already forgot how it sounds after I just played it for you so uh you know that kind of says it all Lastly, to move on to the video games I've been playing, you know I'm still playing that Overwatch with my friends, and the reason I'm even bringing this up is because the Overwatch game that I currently play will soon be unplayable in October because the game Overwatch 2 is coming out, which is essentially just a huge overhaul of the first game because the first game, it's it's all multiplayer. You're just you're, you're two teams against each other fighting and, and, and shooting each other. That's basically the game. And Overwatch 2 is changing a lot about the first game. And unfortunately, you won't be able to play the first game anymore because the second game, Overwatch 2, is going to be free to play and they're just getting rid of the first game altogether. 
which I can't say I blame them for, but it is very disappointing. You know, what if I don't like the new game? Then I can't go back and play the old game that I paid for and just all up in the air. So I'm enjoying Overwatch while it still exists because again, it is going away and being replaced with the new game. I have played the beta for the new game. I played a bit of it and I do like the changes they're making. I understand the changes they're making, but you've got to understand I've played this original version, which of course they have changed uh, to some extent throughout the, the past five years or six years it's been out, but I've been playing it for like five years and it's, it's going to be a bummer. I can never play it again. And all we will have is the new version of the game, which is pretty dang different. Uh, there, so the way Overwatch 1 works, a big change here is that it's six players versus six players. You have two people playing tank, tank being big bulky characters that are meant to soak up damage. Two players playing DPS, which they're the ones who are doing the main bulk of the damage. And then two healers who are, you know, healing people, but they can also kind of fight a little bit too. Well, in Overwatch 2, it's five versus five. They are getting rid of a tank player because tank is the role that is the least popular, even though that's my favorite role. And that's really going to just drastically change the game because a lot of tanks were dependent on there being another tank. They had synergies together and you're not going to have that anymore. So that's just an example of like, Maybe this won't be as fun. Maybe I won't like this as much. We'll see. So just, you know, in, in the time I have to play games, I haven't been playing a ton right now, but I've been trying to play Overwatch because it's going away soon. So that's it for me. That's what I've kind of been uh, thinking about. That's what I've been watching, listening to, and playing. Let me know what you've been doing. Let me know if there's something that's not on my radar that I should be looking into. Any new music you've been finding in particular, I'm interested to hear about. But that is it for me this week. Of course, thank you for listening this far. I hope it's been entertaining for you. But I do like talking about this stuff. It is fun to kind of uh, put what I'm thinking out there and, and seeing what you have to think about it. Because uh, some of you do get back to me and I do appreciate that. Of course, as a little reward for listening this far, I am letting you know, if you are a patron, of course you already know, but if you are not, I'm letting you know that next week we will not be doing a deep dive. Instead, we have an interview with the one, the only, J. Wade Edwards, one of the most important people in the Aqua Teen universe. I mean, as I understand it, he's basically like the third guy on the show behind Matt and Dave in terms of, of influence and authority and everything like that. And it was incredible talking to Jay. I'll get more into it in that episode. And of course, you will hear that conversation. But I mean, I asked him for an hour. He gave me two and a half just to put things into perspective. I had a great time. It seemed like he was having a good time. I'd imagine he would have left if he wasn't. And it was a dream come true. Really excited for you to hear that. So that will be Jay Wade Edwards next week on the podcast. Also, we will be doing a giveaway for his 2005 film, Stomp, Shout, Scream. I will be giving away a signed copy of the DVD-CD combo that, you know, also Dana Snyder has a cameo in that film. You have Ned Hastings in that film, another editor, producer on Aqua Teen, and Mary Craft, who, who was in the Aqua Teen in-universe shows, as well as a lot of other stuff that Matt, Dave, and Jay have been up to. So... Really excited for you to hear that. I can't believe it happened. I'm still buzzing from it all these days later and hope you are excited to hear it. So until next week, shout out to our number one in the Hood G tier patrons, Sean, Ian, Keenan, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, Carl, and Reverend Raven 46. You guys can borrow my night vision goggles any day of the week. Bye-bye. <laughs>